Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit ibethel.org. Good morning. Almost afternoon. Close. Especially when you preach the first service, you're just like, oh, well now, we're, now we're getting into the day a little bit. Are you guys awake? Yeah. I'm so excited to be here, to be speaking today. When Bill called me last night, let me know that he wasn't going to be able to make it um, and asked me to preach. It was just such a humbling experience for me. He said I was his trusted one or something like that. Um, no, we're doing a series, the live series. How many of you have loved this live series so far? It's really incredible. I, I love the tagline. It's, it's uh, Foundations for Abundance. Um, today, we're going to talk about emotional health. Um, we're going to talk about how to get your needs met, body, soul, and spirit. And I just feel like that is such a foundation uh, of abundance for us. And so, um, Father, bless this time. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak would uh, penetrate into the hearts of each, every person in here, Lord. Amen. Um, I'd like to start out by reading our local church um, mission statement to you guys, because this series really is for the local church, and we should know what mission we're on uh, <laughs> as, a, as the local church. Our local church mission is to create a vibrant family of hope-filled believers. That's you guys who deeply experience the love and presence of God and partner with Jesus to express the joy and power of his kingdom in every area of life. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. How many of you want to experience the love of God in every area of your life? Yeah. And you're just on that journey. You're just going for the more. Yeah. I just love that. It's just going for the more. I'm so uh, excited. I carry such a passion to release um, I feel like a hunger of value for what's going on in your body, soul, and spirit, for emotional health, for well-being. I feel like that's what I really bring to the body. And I'm, I'm really excited to see our local church be uh, just the greatest representation of Jesus practically. I know that we're really known for uh, miracles, signs, and wonders, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I, I'm so looking forward to the global body of Christ being known for being the happiest people in the world because they steward themselves well. And, you know, if we're going to be a body that, that is known for our love, a body that's known for our well-being, our wellness, we have to first start with us. We, we can't uh, transplant, we can't give away anything that we don't for, first possess. I've tried it before. How many of you have tried to give away something that you don't have and you realize really quick, I don't own that? Any third, third year students in here or people that graduated school ministry, you go away and you realize, oh, I don't quite own that. I got to come back and become an owner of what it is I'm trying to give away. And I feel like um, we do a really great job in a lot of areas, but we need a little bit of beefing up when it comes to emotional health, mostly because it's not talked a lot about. And so today, I hope to do that. Um, in John Maxwell's book, Winning with People, 
he shares a quote found uh, on the tombstone of 11th century Anglican bishop at Westminster Abbey. That's a lot of words in a row if you've never read that before. Uh, It's pretty interesting. Somebody must have just been walking around in the tombstone uh, and, and found these, like reading tombstones. It says, when I was young and free and my imagination had no limits, I dreamed of changing the world. As I grew older and wiser and realized the world would not change, I shortened my sights and somewhat decided to change only my country. But it too seemed immovable. As I grew into my twilight years, I settled on changing only my family and those closest to me. But alas, they would have none of it. Now as I lay on my deathbed, and I suddenly realized that if I had only changed myself first, then by example, I could perhaps have changed my family. And from their inspiration and encouragement to me, I would have been better able to help my country. And from there, I may even have been able to change the world. It's powerful. It's powerful. Uh, A bishop realized I tried so hard in my younger years. I worked, I did all these things only to find out that what I was trying to give away in the beginning should have started with me. I mean, if that's all that you get out of today, that's enough. We walk out of here and go, it, it really starts with me. Revival does. Healthy family does. Healthy marriages. Loving yourself. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. Um, I love our culture. We so believe that if you're parenting kids, even if they're brats, you're, you're raising world changers. <laughs> we just believe so much in that, you know? We believe that, that if you have a business, it doesn't matter what it is, it's, it's for the, glo- the, the greater global uh, kingdom, that we, you're, just, you're just doing this little, I mean, if you have a hot dog stand, you're like, this is for God. You're like one of David's mighty men. I may only be one, but I'll I'll take on the thousand. You know, we just so have this belief in whatever we're doing. We were raised like that. We're raised in this culture that says, oh, if you're a painter, you're not just a painter. You're not just a tree faller. You don't just fall trees for a living. You don't just saw mills for a living. In Weaverville, we just sawed mills for a living. I wasn't like, I'm cutting down this tree for God. But we believe that. And I'm just so excited to see the gifting that God's placed on your life and the anointing that God's placed on our life match the character that's, that we actually carry. And I feel like um, when, we, when our character matches our gifting, our gift won't be uh, a negative. It, it won't be a, a, a weakness to us. You look in some of the past revivals, you look through revival history at some of the revivalists and Honestly, it's so humbling what God did in them. Men like um, John G. Lake or Alexander Dowie or women like Catherine Coleman. And it really is humbling. It's humbling to see how far they went with very little community. There wasn't a lot of people that were partnered with them that even knew uh, how to support and help them. And one thing that's, that's really interesting is when you start to look at um, their lives and start to study the past revivalists, you see that their anointing was much further than actually their character was. And I don't know, I'm not, 
I'm not judging any of them. I, I hope you, you feel that. I'm simply saying, uh, maybe somebody like John G. Lake, if we take him, he's somebody that's very beloved uh, by, the, by this church especially. Um, but John G. Lake uh, had a ministry in Africa, all over the world, and his wife died there. He had several kids. And it was said of John G. Lake that he would get caught up in the presence in his, in his own home, so much so that his kids started to feel neglected. He would just, the presence would come and he would just check out. How many of you know that's not an evil thing for you to steward the presence of God? It was his gift. It, it, was, it was the grace put upon his life. But what started to happen was John's kids weren't getting the kind of attention that kids need, that a family needs, especially with their, their mom gone. And John later wrote um, in a letter, you can find this in, in the book, God's Generals. It says, he grieved over the lack of attention given his children. And we would later write in a letter that many miracles wrought at his hands were personally unfulfilling and not worth the loss of his family. John's strength and ministry to God cost him his family because he wasn't aware of his personal needs and the needs of his kids. You know, others in the faith, um, others in the faith, they, they slept at the pulpit. And again, I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that. I probably would have done that had, it, had I not been taught different. And in my life, there's been certain times in my life where I gave out of lack I didn't have inside of me what I was actually giving out. Is this making sense? They're, they're giving healing. They're giving restoration. They're giving hope. They're giving peace to people. And they're sleeping at the pulpit or their kids are struggling. That's a lot. I've done that in my life. That's how I hit a nervous breakdown. Reset. No fun. You know, we really want to, if we really want to steward what God has given us, we have to actually take care of our body, soul, and our spirit. If we want to be able to pass this generation, uh, our next generation, the revival, and if we want to be able to pass on what God's doing in us, we actually have to teach a value for both. Because truthfully, you can't separate this, the natural and the spiritual, can you? You can't do it. Jesus says, if you bring a cup of water to one of mine, you have done it unto me. You, you can't separate what's happening in the spiritual from what's happening in the physical. And we're going to look at that a little bit about how your physical actually uh, affects your spiritual and the spiritual affects the physical. And so to me, it's important that we go, hey, listen, before we go forward, let's have a value for both equally and create a foundation that can sustain what the Lord has graced us with. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you, you can turn there. I'll just read it for you. You can trust me or you can turn there. It says, Now that, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, everybody say spirit, soul, and body, be preserved and blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 3 John 2.1 says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. The Lord cares about our body, our soul, and our spirit. He doesn't care that we just squeak into heaven. 
I know you've heard that before. I came up with that. He doesn't really care that we just squeak into heaven. He, he doesn't care that you just heal the sick or raise the dead. The Lord cares that we are actually portraying a, a beautiful spotless bride to the world. That when I, what you see on the outside happening is a manifestation of the inside. And I don't know that I can say that enough because I just feel like I'm beating this drum, grabbing this part of the baton going, this is what we're called to. How many, uh, how many of you know that your body, soul, and your spirit have needs? It's really interesting because we often, um, we often don't think that, we, that our body, soul, and spirit have needs. We typically look at things like the five love languages and we go, I'm gifts. I feel filled up when you, actually, I'm touch. I'm just, I'm touch. And quality time. Touch me for a really long time. You know what I mean? Gabe, I know you're that too, dude. Don't even pretend like you're not. I mean, just touch me for a really long time. If you want to throw a gift in there, that's fine. But don't stop touching to give me the gift. We're really aware of those kinds of needs. And if you've done the strengths finder, it says this type of personality does this. And our desk, you know, we're like, I can't file papers. We know. But we don't typically think through our body, soul, and spirit needs. You know that your spirit needs things that are different than your soul, and your soul needs things that are different than your body. And they all work together. Your soul, your, sorry, your spirit is the part of you that connects to God. I'll give you, I have like this exhaustive list. It's, I, when I read it, I get kind of exhausted. Um, you'll have more corny jokes where those came from. But a couple of needs, I'll just give you three from them. Um, under spirit needs, we have faith, truth, and intimacy with God. How many of you believe that your spirit actually needs faith in order to thrive? It needs faith. You need to have faith in order to please God. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> intimacy with God. How many of you know that finding that secret place, that, that place where you just commune with God is so important. Yeah. It's so important. Uh, hearing the voice of God is so important. I'll, I'll just throw this in. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's not the theory of God that heals us and makes us well. It's the words of God. It's the actual it's not the knowledge. It's the encounter with God that makes us well. When I process through the pain in my life, uh, my divorce or, or maybe my nervous breakdown, what I found was I would be processing through uh, maybe, maybe a, a certain loss. And I realized it wasn't the theory that God was good that actually helped me. It gave me a roadmap to know what to believe and where to head. But it was when I went, God, this right here, my family, what are you going to do with this specific thing? Are you going to take care of my daughter? This specific thing. It was when he encountered me with that and said, this thing right here, son, this is what I'm going to do. It's not the theory of God. We can't live without the intimacy with God. We can't live without that. Your spirit doesn't thrive. Your soul doesn't thrive. Your body doesn't thrive without that peace. Do you understand that? Yeah. I thought I'd throw a little bonus in there. The soul needs positive self-talk. How many of you know your soul 
needs good self-talk. It needs connection with people. Your soul needs truth. Uh, sorry, your soul needs adventure. How many of you agree with that? You need adventure. Hunting, fishing, tying flies. Anything in that category is perfect. If you're unfulfilled in life, it's probably because you haven't tied a fly lately. It's, oh. Body needs, uh, really, really easy. It's probably one of the easiest ones, um, but often most neglected, I think. Um, eat, sleep, water, exercise. Honestly, fun. When people go through really hard times, I want to make sure I don't take up too much time on this, but this is a really big deal. Um, I do a lot of counseling, a lot, a lot of counseling. Um, I've done it for years, years and years. Since I was a little boy, I've been helping and counseling people. It's part of my passion. And I see um, most often people come in my office and they're usually not doing really well. That's kind of the theme I've noticed when people do come into my office. And it's my job as a counselor to figure out what would help them most. I can't tell you how many times someone's going through an affair, um, a sexual problem, they're going through uh, major anxiety, and I'll ask them, when's the last time you had fun? They look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, you didn't pay me for this. Don't worry about it. For starters, right? I mean, they look at me like I owe them something. How dare you say fun? But they can't think of it. When's the last time, if you have a lot of anxiety, when's the last time you jumped on a jet ski, you hit go, and you were doing about 60 miles an hour? Try and think about your anxiety then. (laughs) Oh, the bills. Oh, my kids. You can't do it. You can't. You can't. Everyone's like, you can't. How do you get out and fly fish so many times a day? I'm like, well, you come and take my clients in my office. And then tell me how many times a week you need to go fishing. I just need, I don't care what pulls, I just need something that's pulling. It's pulling all of your guys' anxiety out of me. We need a release of endorphins into our brain. It actually helps us recharge, doesn't it? Fun. Why do we scratch that off? Why is that the first thing that we scratch off? We just go, oh, that's not really needed. What's really important is that I get serious about what's going on in my life, especially the shame. If I'm serious about my shame, then I'll change. It's not true. It's not true. We we keep ourselves in these crazy cycles because we actually don't know our body, our soul, and our spirit have very simple things that need to happen in order for for us to be congruent with what the Lord's called us to. Let's take a look at a couple of them. What happens when you have a body problem, no sleep, not much sleep, not a lot of sleep, and no hope? Any uh, moms in this room? 
is this ever going to end? Surely you've never said that before. I'm sure that you haven't. What happens when you have very little sleep and you don't have a lot of hope? You're not stewarding your hope well with God. You, you, those hopeless areas, you're not actually confronting them. You're not bringing them before God and going, okay, this piece right here, what are you going to do about this? Remember, it's the words of God that heal you. Lord, I don't have a lot of hope. Well, for, for starters, uh, it creates depression. How many agree with me? No sleep, no hope, depression. You just want to sleep longer and hope that you wake up feeling better. It's normal. That, that is a natural thing to do. You want to go back to sleep and you want to wake up better. But the more you do that, the more you feel depressed about your life, don't you? And now you get drawn into this deep cycle of just feeling horrible about your life. Um, what about if, uh, if the, your truth the words of God aren't actually penetrating your spirit or you're not processing with him well, and your self-talk isn't on par. It's negative. How many of you have negative self-talk sometimes? A whole bunch of you are liars. <laughs> I just give you some, um, well, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll give it to you now. They say with self-talk, we talk to ourselves about 150 to 300 words per minute. Out of those, that's about 50,000 words uh, in a day that we talk to ourselves, to ourselves. Out of those words, 70% of everything that you say to yourself is negative. 70% of everything you say to yourself, now I know you're Christians, so that's probably more like 20%, but 70% of all the evil people in this world talk to themselves <laughs> negatively. Out of those 70% of the words you say to yourself negatively, 70 more percent of those are unconscious or subconscious, which basically means you don't even, you're not aware of what you're saying to yourself. You're on autopilot. Furthermore, you'll repeat the same statements to yourself 95% of the time. Tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. Tell me again why I am the way that I am. For as a man speaks in his heart, how does that go? Yeah. Our words have power. They have tons of power. Our words have tons of power. And unless we actually stop for a second and go, hold on, wait. What did I just say to myself? Not only do I, am I struggling with the truth of God, but that's affecting my own truth over here. What happens when you don't have the truth of God and you, you're perpetuating that in your own self? You have anxiety. Are you with me? You just live in this world of anxiety. And, and it's, it's, very, um, it's very tormenting. I've been there. But we can do something about that. Um, I love how much we don't actually tell ourselves the truth. That's probably, I'm preaching to myself right now, probably. Um, but I love how much, I'm just kidding, it's sarcasm. <laughs> I love how much uh, 
we're not aware of what we say. You know, I, I encounter people in the hallways or um, all, all over the place, and, and I've done this myself too. And you can tell like one arm's barely hanging on. They're going through major torment. And you can tell, and they walk by, and you go, how you doing? I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Just can't raise this arm. <laughs> like, I'm losing everything in my life, but God's going to come through. And I love those statements. I like faith statements. But again, like at some point, we have to go, hey, actually, I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well. If we didn't need people, God wouldn't have put anyone else on this earth. It'd just be Adam and Eve. And he wouldn't say, be fruitful and multiply. He wouldn't have all of us. And God wouldn't say that he puts the lonely in a family. I was counseling this man, a um, very prominent man in the, the um, like media industry. And he was going from one job, hopefully to a next. He wasn't sure if he was going to get to... Um, experienced the type of favor that he had on his life before. And so um, he came and he sat down in front of me and he was telling me about how much anxiety he had. He said, I'm not sleeping well. I lost my appetite. I'm not doing good. And um, as he was talking, if you just let people talk long enough, eventually they figure out their own problem for him. You just have to point it out. And so I was listening to him and, and he said, you know, um, I have all these things going wrong, blah, 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 but I really trust God. And I said, no, you don't. He looked like I had called him like the worst thing that you could call him. He was like, how dare you talk to me like that, young man <laughs> who's never done anything important in his life. He said, um, what do you mean? I said, you don't trust God. And it's Okay. How many know God is the prince of? Okay, so if God's the prince of peace and you have God living inside of you and he's not just a theory, then you would be sleeping well in a perfect storm. How many understand that if God is your source for direction, protection, comfort, identity, security, healing, a couple other things, if he's your main source for that, when you get in those circumstances, it's not that you don't feel anything. It's that you are able to go back and go grab what you need from the Lord and go, this storm is real. It's life-threatening. But I have somebody over here who has an answer for this. We don't have to be in denial. But because we deny by saying what we've been taught so much, we don't actually access the grace that the Lord's given us for the season that we're in. Are you with me? If I don't go, I, I'm really hurting today. I'm not doing well. Well, how many of you know that the grace that, that you need often lies in somebody else next to you? But we have to be aware enough to grab a hold of what's actually going on in us. That man came to me not to tell me that he's okay. I don't need you to tell me that you trust God. I need you to tell me you don't trust God, and I'll tell you how to trust God. Are you with me? I like teaching this stuff. One of the main steps to actually figuring out what your body, your soul, and your spirit needs, and by the way, you should go home and think through, what does my soul need? 
your mind, will, and emotions in order to thrive. What's my body need and what does my spirit need? And just put a list down. Just make your own list. Study the Bible, make your own list, and actually find out what do I need in order to thrive. I actually think it'll revolutionize the way that you look at yourself. Um, But one of the best ways that we actually start to become powerful in taking care of ourselves is through self-awareness. Now, I didn't say introspection. And I didn't say looking for the bad inside of you. We all know what's wrong with us. Trust me. I'm a professional at it. Self-awareness gives you the ability to know what's going on inside of you whenever you need to know. Self-awareness is equal to um, being aware of what's happening outside. It's, this, it's knowing the season you're in and also how you're doing in it. For instance, how many you know that it's changing from summer to fall? If you're not aware of that, you're going to get caught outside. How many of you got caught outside in the rain and you realize I didn't change my windshield wipers? <laughs> how much worse is it when you go from Redding summer to Antarctica cold and you're wearing your Redding gear? But God's all you need. Walk it off. You'll be okay. Just, just keep walking it off. I mean, literally, people are like, I don't know what's going on with me. I mean, my toes are turning black. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing I did last season. We're not, we're just, we're not aware. We, but I'll tell you, this isn't a condemnation thing. It's a, it's a charge. Nobody ever taught, I mean, when's the last time you got, somebody sat you down and said, you need to be self-aware. No, we've been taught that looking inside is bad. And I'm saying, looking for bad things is bad. We're telling ourselves all day long, 30,000 words, you're telling yourself how bad you're doing. You got that part covered. (laughs) I'm talking about what do you need? What do you actually need that you can proactively do? I remember um, a lot of people go, well, I don't know how to be self-aware. You already know, you've already learned it. I remember um, Pastor Bill teaching us how to become self-aware. He was teaching on uh, words of knowledge. I don't remember the exact year and I don't remember the exact body part, but Bill said, um, I I think it was the knee. He said, "I, I walked into a conference and I realized my knee was hurting. And he had this thought, this God ordained thought. Again, forgive me if I'm butchering it, but this is how I believe that it was said. He said, um, he said he realized that it, it probably isn't him or it might not be him. And he gave uh, the altar call, he gave the word of knowledge and realized the pain went away as soon as the word of knowledge was given. Are, are you guys with me? That's close enough. Yeah, yeah. I know that he'd approve of that. <laughs> and then we started to do this thing. We started to, uh, you see people walking in the church like next Sunday and they're getting ready to come in. They're like, yeah, this elbow's good, but this one's kind of squeaky. So they're standing out there. They're like, this one's kind of squeaky. It wasn't squeaky 20 minutes ago, but now it is. Closer I get to the church, the more it squeaks. That's interesting. They're walking in because the, they're, they're getting ready for their word of knowledge. They're going like, oh yeah, I got, oh, there's no rust in this knee. This, oh, but my hip. I just felt it. I just felt, and that's what's happening, right? They're becoming, and then they come and they give the word of knowledge. They're like, thank God it's not squeaking anymore. This is amazing. We should all try. And we find out like, 
okay, the things that we really value, we practice. We practice. We were all taught how to be self-aware. Or at least most of us have been taught to be self-aware. But self-awareness really is a great help in actually figuring out what you need inside of you. Um, When we take a look at I'm going to show you the importance of self-awareness. In 2 Samuel, uh, how many of you guys know the story of David in 2 Samuel, David and Bathsheba? Yeah. If you know it, then I'll just paraphrase it a little bit. Forgive me, I'm running out of time. That clock's going too fast. But 2 Samuel 11.1 1 says, In the spring, at times when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Now, how do you know something's wrong when the warrior king doesn't go when the kings are supposed to go to war? When the warrior king doesn't go to war, David's the warrior king, in a time of war, something's off. Something's way off. David sends his army. What happens? Well, you, you start to, now you read a story of a man who, a king who is the man after God's own heart, goes up onto his palace, sees Bathsheba in the bath. We'll save that joke for later. Sees Bathsheba in the bath, decides to take Bathsheba as his own, sleeps with her, realizes she's pregnant a little bit later on. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Paraphrasing brings her husband home from war, whose name is Uriah, the Hittite, tries to get her husband to sleep with her so that he can hide his sin, has, has Uriah eventually sent back to the front lines of war with a note that says to Joab, put me in the front of battle. He doesn't know what it says. Uriah doesn't know what it says. It says, put me in front of the battle, withdraw the troops and let him be killed. The interesting part of this story is that David has all this going on and he's fully out of control, almost unaware of what's happening. So unaware that, David sin, or that God sends a prophet, Nathan, to come to him and Nathan tells him a parable about sheep. Again, uh, you, you should go read it. And David still doesn't get it. He says, the man who stole a sheep from someone who only had one, when he had a thousand, that guy should die. You just see Nathan going, oh gosh. <laughs> I feel like that in my office sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> He says, David, that's you. Oh my gosh. Where have you been my whole life? It's you. I want to propose to you that when David saw Bathsheba, that he wasn't so sexually aroused. I don't know how else to say it. I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to like shock factor. This wouldn't be a shock factor. Not in my home, it wouldn't. <laughs> David wasn't so sexually aroused and unfulfilled that he decided, I'm going to steal Uriah's wife. Now, what you have to understand is Uriah wasn't just a regular man. 
Uriah was one of David's mighty men, one of the 33, which is crazy. And Uriah's name means God is my light. David's, it'd be like me taking my best friend's wife, getting her pregnant, bringing him in from war, which he's fighting for me, having him intentionally killed and not know what's going on. Do you understand what sin does to us? Sin makes us crazy. Being in the wrong season, I want to say David was not only in the wrong season, but his community was away from him. And he wasn't aware of what was going on in his heart. Something is wrong in your heart when you've been given a place of authority and you're hiding over here and your community is over here and you're back over here. What's going on? Some of the deepest, darkest places that we get into in our lives happen because not only are we not aware of what we're doing, but we're not with anyone who would help us be aware of what we're doing. And then we blame it on the devil. We do. Like, oh, that, that, old, that old devil inside of me, that, that man who just hungers for lust. I thought I killed him. No, you did. You just brought him back to life when you decided to hide. Listen, what do we get from people? What needs do we get from people? Deep friendship, support, unconditional love, companionship, shared bonds, adventure. What did David see when he saw Bathsheba? Adventure, companionship, sense of belonging, respect. What would David have got if he would have been with his men? Almost, almost all, every time you're tempted to violate your conscience, I won't say every time, almost every time you're tempted to violate, violate your conscience, all it is is a need wanting to be met. All it is. Not every time, but almost every time you're tempted to violate your conscience, it's a need that wants to be met. We've been raised in Christianity, a lot of us, to believe that we don't need needs. God is all we need. It's not true. It's not true. We can do long conferences. We can do a stint. We can do 10 days here or there. But how many know, if you're not coming back and having rest, eating well, and having fun, something's going to give. And it's not the devil. We have to change the Christianity that says, if you don't do it, no one will do it. So what happened to a lot of the past revivalists. Or, you know, if you stop and have a need, everyone's going to judge you. That's shame talking. I mean, we practically need to get into books like the Boundaries book and understand that, no, these are, this is success for your kid's future. Success for the next generation in the church is, is, is hinging upon us actually finding permission to do our spirit, soul, and body as well as we do miracle signs and wonders. And go, you know what? I, I so want to preach 20 times a day, but actually four would be great. And can you not feed me McDonald's afterwards? And I want to go to work, and I'm going to work really hard at my business because I don't want it to fail, but I can't neglect my family. Because if you... It, 
If it costs your family to make your business successful, I don't know what you have at the end of it. And if you're up at the pulpit and you're preaching and you're so afraid of being known and what the people think of you, well, maybe it's time for a season to step down and go, man, I'm preaching something I don't really know. I mean, these are all the cases that I'm seeing happen and nothing, there's nothing new. But I'm saying, no, this, there was a spiritual Christianity that said you're super spiritual if you can go for long periods of time, have 14 weeks of meetings and not take a break. My hat's off to you. I just don't want to be you. Because it won't won't be sustained. We have to repent from an old way of thinking. We have to repent from what we saw our forefathers do and go, I'm not going to pass down the sins of our father. Danny says we pass down the sins of our father through agreeing with him. Not some kind of curse. We go, what they did, that's that's the only way to do it. That's the best way to do it. It's not true. Um. You know, imagine, I have a lot of examples, I'm just running out of time. Imagine if our local church said, you know what? I'm going to be the most whole person that's ever walked this planet. I'm going to do treasure hunts and I'm going to do self-retreats. I'm going to make sure that if a person next to me, I notice he's not doing well, I'm going to go, how's your soul? I'm going to take it upon myself to educate the people around me. You know, honestly, I think that revival, if you, if you look, um, oh gosh, if you look at the early church in Acts, you see they're breaking bread together. They're doing fellowship together. And it, it, there's, it goes through this whole list and it says miracles, signs, and wonders, and numbers were being drawn to them. They were actually doing real life. I have such a passion for us to go, you know what, I'm going to go home and I'm going to actually make sure I'm thriving before I push into my greatest strength. My foundation needs to be congruent with the the grace that's on my life and the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The anointing that God's given me. I have to make sure that I can hold it. And when I go to a new season, I'm actually ramping up my emotional health. I'm not going, okay, now that I'm more pulled on, I'm going to do less of this and more of this. Lord, in our anointing, will you also give us a grace to steward our physical bodies? And would you make us more, uh, less time spent, but more impact? I have such a passion to see our local church champion this so that what happens here, that we can do it in our own body. And from here, we can go, this is what revival looks like. It looks like body, soul, spirit, healings, raising the dead. But then we come back, we celebrate, and we make sure that we're filled up and that we're loved and that the community's with us. And then we're praying for the sick and we do a conference and we press in and then we come home and we jump on our jet skis and we go fishing and we're celebrated. That the, greatest, that the greatest miracle would be the father that's at home that says that his heart turns back to his children. It's not actually something that happens on stage. That when a mom gets really upset at home and she yells at her kids and she stops for a second and goes, no, no, it's not actually my kids that are the problem. It's actually that I just need some time. That, that, that we would value that. That's a miracle. 
So I'm going to pray. Just put out your hands. Father, I ask, Lord, that we would be a church. I could have the ministry team come forward. That values their body, their soul, and their spirit as much as we value healing. Lord, that you'd actually give us revelation. Lord, beyond what you've given me, Lord, I pray that we'd have revelation. Lord, that we'd be a catalyst in our nation for health, for mental health, for emotional health, for well-being, God. That we'd be a catalyst for other churches and revival movements, that they'd go, that's right. God, give us courage. It takes courage. Give us courage to love ourselves the way that we want to love others, Father. Amen. If you need prayer, I'd like for you to, to come forward to get prayer. If you need uh, healing in your body, please come and do that. Bless you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit Bethel.tv for other exciting new content from Bethel Church.